When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Happy day before Friday. Happy Thursday to those of you that don't speak Whitlock. Uh, more good news. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, I feel confident, will join us via Skype next week. Uh, he's on the road to recovery, and he'll be rejoining us sooner than you think. So that's the good news. Uh, the even better news is, wow, do I have a fantastic show planned for us today. If you thought yesterday was hot, and it was piping hot, uh, it's going to get even hotter today. We're having an actually a very good week, and, and we're going to run through the finish line. I feel confident uh, that tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, I'm going to connect with my main man, Kwame Brown, and have him on the show. And we're going to get into a, a lot of different things, but we're going to talk about the column I wrote yesterday uh, about how Kwame and Kyrie Irving and Dave Chappelle are leading real men out of the closet. Getting us to hear us roar. Rah! And so... We're going to end on a really strong note on Friday. I feel confident. feel confident that uh, Kwame's going to come through. We talked this morning. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But even before that, we're going to get the engine revved up and ready to go. Today, uh, Steve Kim and Shamok Show will be here. Uh, and, you know, those two guys, Steve Kim and Shamok Show, the, probably my two favorite uh, contributors to this. Oh, I'm sorry. Had to, they had to be two and three. Uncle Jimmy's number one. Uh, but anyway, Steve Kim's going to be here and help me unpack uh, some things going on in the media with Katie Couric, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Colin Kaepernick. Also, we'll talk about the, uh, the debate going on right now by Kyrie Irving and how the rest of the media is handling that debate. Uh, and, and then I'm going to bring Shamika on to talk, have you guys seen this Meek Mill, um, his new album cover that's been plastered over buses throughout Philly? And I was told it's on a billboard down in Miami. It's got a bunch of black women naked and all that. And so who better to talk about that with than Shamika Michelle, who's got a book uh, called, I think, Naked Girls or Naked Truth or something. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, she's got a book. She's on the cover of it, Naked. Can't wait to hear Shamika's take on Meek Mill's album cover. And there's an interesting video that's going viral right now, or was earlier today, uh, 
where some guy was reacting to seeing it, the album cover on a billboard. It's pretty um, pornographic or pretty lewd. Anyway, we'll get into all that with Shamika. Uh, but before that, I gotta start this massive, massive fire. And I've started some fires this week. But I don't know if I got a better fire than the one I'm about to start right now. I am so excited. Uh, get your fire extinguishers out. Uh, get your hazmat suits on or what, what do firemen wear over top of them? Put any of that equipment on because I'm about to start a blaze. Set the internet on fire. Oh, before I do that, I need those of you uh, watching on YouTube to hit that subscribe button. I need you to tell your friends to come join us. I need you to hit that like button. I need you to get in the comments and leave a comment. I need you to join me in the live chat. People keep asking me all the time. I'm in the actual live chat under my name. There's a picture of me uh, in my Ball State football uniform from back in the 80s. And people act like it's not really me. It is me. I'm in the live chat with you uh, chatting about the show. So join the live chat. Drop me a note. I'll try to respond in real time. Uh, but go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. All right, let's get the party started. Uh, Katie Couric, she confessed she's an enemy of the people. In her soon-to-be-released memoir, the former Today Show host disclosed she edited an interview with Ruth Gator Ginsburg to protect the then 83-year-old Supreme Court justice from public backlash. During a 2016 interview, Ginsburg made the mistake of sharing her true feelings about national anthem kneeler Colin Kaepernick. Ginsburg told Keurig that Kaepernick and his allies were showing, quote, contempt for a government that has made it possible for their parents and grandparents to live a decent life, which they probably could not have lived in the places they came from. Mm, end quote. Uh, Keurig cut those remarks out of the story she published in Yahoo News. She said she did so to protect Ginsburg because Ginsburg was elderly and likely didn't understand Keurig's question. Mm, that seems curious. Ginsburg was a working member of the Supreme Court at the time. Her job was to understand, interpret, and rule on complex legal matters. But she was too old to make sense of Kaepernick's lunacy. That seems incongruent, incompatible. She's working for the Supreme Court, but she's too old to interpret the thoughts or the questions of Katie Couric. Are you kidding me? I'm not too old to comprehend why Couric and her editors chose to protect Ginsburg. Corporate media is all in on promoting racial division, political division, and division division. Corporate media is the enemy of the people and America. Corporate media does not want American citizens to realize we have common beliefs and values that bind us. Most rational Americans, whether left or right, white or black, Jew or Gentile, 
believe we're lucky to live in America. Keurig's story did not protect Ginsburg. The story used several quotes that made Ginsburg's position on Kaepernick quite clear. It quoted Ginsburg calling the protest dumb and disrespectful. You know what Keurig protected? She protected the prevailing corporate media narrative that only a racist, white-wing political conservative would argue that American blacks are better off in this country than in our so-called homelands. And I said so-called homelands purposely because a lot of people are unaware of the history that many of us were already here long before some of us were brought from Africa. So our so-called homelands in Africa. That's an inconvenient truth no one wants to discuss. There are 54 countries on the African continent. That's 54 different locations for the American dissatisfied to relocate. How about Nigeria? I hear it's great there in the summer. The Sudan, they say the fishing is awesome there. Ghana, I've heard good things about the food. Morocco, housing prices are affordable right now. You can get some good bargains. Somalia, best strip clubs on the continent. That's what I've been told. Kenya, amazing sushi bars. Any of you guys wanna try those out? Oh, there's a few of us that will visit a handful of the countries. There's a number willing to relocate permanently. That number is minuscule. You couldn't get Al Sharpton, Ben Crump, LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, Randy Moss to leave America with the promise of a dozen virgins, a billion dollars, and an endless supply of Hennessy and weed. They wouldn't take that deal. Ginsburg thought the exact same thing as a typical Trump supporter. American black people's African ancestors suffered an unspeakable atrocity, chattel slavery. And their descendants are experiencing the benefits produced by that suffering. And there were benefits produced. I'm living proof of it and so are you. I thank God that my ancestors weathered the storm and made America live up to the promises made in the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. When you hear the national anthem, that's what you should think about. All of the people who suffered and died so that you would have the right to live free in the land of opportunity. Our system of government and the Judeo-Christian values established in Western civilization created the greatest country man has known. The New York Times 1619 Project won't change that fact. Neither will critical race theory, nor will Black Lives Matter, the LGBTQ movement, radical feminist, or the squad. Ginsburg told Keurig that Kaepernick could love it or leave it. She told him to go back to Africa or go find his alleged black daddy and cry on his shoulder. She channeled her inner Donald Trump. 
Ginsburg said what most of us believe. She definitely gave voice to what our actions reveal about, about us. We love America, all of us, black, white, brown, and everything in between. The people pretending that America's narrative arc bends towards racial injustice are making that argument to seize power and money. They're frauds. Katie Couric is a fraud. She's an enemy of the people. She doesn't see herself that way, but she is. So is everyone who chooses deceit over truth. Deceit is the promotion of death, whether you're lying to yourself or lying to the public. Earlier this morning, I saw a story promoted on Twitter that said the see-through outfit Lizzo wore to Cardi B's birthday party stole the show. This 300-pound woman shows up to a party in a see-through dress showing all of her blubber, and she stole the show. W what was the show? The Boondocks? Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids? What was the show? This is what they call a little polite white lie. It's a polite promotion of a death lifestyle. The American media and big tech social media apps are trying to tell fat people like me that we're perfectly healthy and normal. It's a freaking lie and everybody knows it. The media are lying to us. You, can, you can't sustain a democracy or promote justice on a foundation of lies. You might feel like the police are randomly killing scores of black men. Your feelings aren't facts. Your feelings lie. It feels good to Katie Couric and all the other guilt-ridden white liberals to feed black people an endless supply of lies and half-truths. Watching black people die feels good to them. The lucky ones, like George Floyd, get statues, memorials, and multi-million dollar payouts to their survivors. Is that the deal you want? That's not the deal I want. America offers more than death to black people and all of its citizens. I don't need to die to feel good about myself or to feel like I've made it in this country. But that's what, <laughs> these lies add up and this culture we've built, built on a foundation of lies. It's leading to all of our deaths. And so, oh, you know, it's just a little white lie and she just cut out this and she just mis, uh, misrepresented Ruth Bader Ginsburg and it, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is because it's part of a pattern that they're using to divide us. They don't want us to know that most of us think the same thing. We're lucky to be here. It's great to be here in America. Awesome, in fact. And all these people going on TV and going on social media apps, acting like, oh my God, I can't leave my house. I might get killed by the police. They're lying to you. They want you living in fear. They want to control your emotions. They don't want you to see that with God on your side, you can accomplish 
anything. That has been the history of Americans. That has been the history of black Americans in particular. We've overcome incredible odds and achieved incredible things in this country. But Katie Couric and the rest of corporate media want to lie and convince, oh my God, you can't do anything here in America. You can't step out of your house. You can't breathe. Well, my fat ass is breathing, and if I can breathe, I know damn well you can breathe. I want to roll out to uh, Los Angeles and bring in my Asian brother from another mother who's also, I know he shares my belief that uh, we're all lucky to live here in America. Uh, Steve, I want to know, am I making too much of Katie Couric's little white, polite, polite white lies here. Am I making too much of them? No, I really don't. And I think me and you kind of share the same view, given the fact that we were writer slash journalist. And I want to date myself again with another reference. Remember Memorex? Uh, here, I'm just wondering, is it news or is it narrative? And this is all about the approved message. And there's also that phrase about, um, lies by omission, and this is a melding of the two. I was actually stunned that she would admit this. I don't know what was worse, her admission or the actual crime. And, you know, there's an old saying, and I'm sure you've heard it before, Jason, is that journalism is writing what they don't want you to write. Writing everything that they do is called public relations. And I'm just actually stunned that a person of Katie Kirk's stature took it upon herself to, to be the public relations flack for Ms. Ginsburg, who was a very accomplished human being, who I'm sure at her age didn't even care about the flack, may have never heard about it. But it goes to show you that we should be very, very mindful of what is being put out there in front of the public to disseminate in terms of information and quote unquote news. So here's Ruth Gator Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a liberal icon, uh, a female pioneer, uh, female Supreme Court justice, uh, a hero. And she actually thinks the exact same thing as Donald Trump as it relates to the national anthem protest. And, and keep in mind, this interview happened in October of 2016, a month before Trump was elected president. I, I, I'm not, I, my memory uh, doesn't go back far enough to remember if Trump started attacking Kaepernick before he was elected president or after he was elected president, I, I, I can't remember. But I do know that the media has done everything in its power to portray uh, patriotic Americans who think what Cap did was wrong as the worst people on the planet and they're all racist and they're all bigots and no good person agrees with them. And here's Ruth, Gator ben Raider, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a liberal icon who is in lockstep and says the exact, says literally, it, I mean, the quote that Katie took out and didn't uh, publish, to me, the only fair way to interpret that is she saying, hey, look, your grandparents could be stuck over in Africa in one of them 54 countries that none of y'all want to move to and they wouldn't be over here in America and you wouldn't be some multimillionaire uh, 
she basically she said what every anytime someone says that they're accused of being racist and how dare they say that. But damn it, Steve, it's the truth. I'm aware that the, my African ancestors, if I have African ancestors, there's a lot. I'm telling you, there was a lot of black people here before they got shipped over here from Africa, but we don't have to go down there. But if I had African ancestors, I thank God that they fought, suffered, endured so that I could enjoy this American freedom. And I don't care if people don't like me saying that. I don't care if it's the, but it's the damn truth. And everybody else agrees with me because no one is trying to move to one of them 54 countries in Africa. And people from those 54 countries are banging down doors trying to get in over here. Jason, it's interesting you say that. There's a famous riff from Muhammad Ali back in the mid-70s where he basically echoes what you said, that, hey, slavery was kind of tough, but uh, I'd rather be here than there. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you look at the line to get into America, it's like a DMV at 10 o'clock in the morning. There is no line to really get out. And a lot of these aggrieved people, one thing that they'll never actually purchase is a one-way ticket out of the greatest country in the world. And there's a reason for that. Um, as it relates to Ginsburg, I find it interesting that she's not even allowed to agree or disagree with one thing. And this is what I hate about the dogmatic nature of politics and policies and philosophies in the 21st century. Maybe it's always been that way. Perhaps I'm being a little bit naive, but she probably agrees with a thousand different things of the liberal uh, agenda, which is fine. That's certainly her choice. And But if she disagrees with one does that offset every single achievement and contribution that she's made? That's scary that you're not even allowed to have one dissenting opinion at all. That's what really alarms me about this whole situation. I, I'll, I'll, I say this about all people whose primary identity is political. And it's like, oh, I'm a Republican, or I'm a Democrat, or I'm a conservative, or I'm a liberal. If your primary identity is political, that locks you in to a bunch of positions. That, that, does, that traps your mind. And that's why, I've, that's why I've never voted. That's why I disavow any political affiliation or identity. And I know that people slap the conservative identity on me. And, and, you know, I'm at a point now where there's almost nothing I can do about it. And so what I've done is like, yeah, I lean into conservative Christian values, but I could really care less about conservative political values or it's just not a real high priority for me. I'm going to stick to the values I was taught in the church and in football. And if those define me as conservative, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I never... Again, I want to identify as a Christian and as an American and then have my opinions and beliefs uh, emanate from that, my faith and my love of country. These people on the left or the right who, who have to interpret the world through a political ideology, I feel sorry for them. They're not truly free mentally or intellectually they're trapped by an ideology and a worldview that just doesn't allow a lot of freedom 
and and I think it's a mistake and that's how they have polarized this country and have us to me and to a lot of other people at the brink of a civil war because and then literally the people that you know a racial identity that you're trapped by to me is even worse uh, particularly for black people because our black identity has been defined as so negative and so perverted and degenerate that if you try you got to defend anything that's said in rap and anybody and if if everybody wants to shout the n-word uh and have it blared in their car and the music you got to defend all of that because you're black and you have to defend anything that's defined as black culture and so you know i don't think that ruth bader ginsburg is going to get tossed out uh, or, or lose her status as a liberal icon. I, I think Katie Couric, had she published what Ruth Ginsburg said, I think Katie Couric was worried about would she, mm. Katie Couric, mm. get tossed out uh, for doing that? Because again, she calls David Brooks an alleged journalist, and he had, oh, she's too old. Well, she's working for the damn Supreme Court. How can, <laughs> she can't understand the damn question. And so, they would have felt, oh, you took advantage of this old woman and, and you published her real thoughts. You sold us out. because That is the game that goes on in journalism. I'm going to connect it, Steve, and, and let you give an opinion on Adam Schefter. Yes. And what he was in the news about yesterday in terms of uh, calling Bruce Allen Mr. Editor and sending him his story and asking. And, and I transparently acknowledge that there's been a handful of sensitive stories that I have sent to a source to say, hey, are there, you got any problems? Am I conveying your thoughts correctly? Uh, I, I've done that, but I, I've never, you know, and I'm not trying, and I like and respect Adam Schefter and Bruce Allen, but I've never handed them a story and asked them to play editor. Uh, I'm the expert as it comes to journalism, not any of my sources. Uh, so anyway, I, I just think it ties into, or what Katie Couric is exposing is just how sources and the media, there's no adversarial thing here. No, They're all Jason. working together. Yeah. So Jason, as it relates to sharing or giving a heads up to sources, that, that's a bit of a gray area. I can't lie. I've done it too, but I've also done it after I've sent it into the editor and I've let these sources know or the subject of the stories that, hey, this is what's coming out. Like it, loathe it. It is what it is. Uh, you try to be as accurate as possible. Now, if there's a, a situation where you're not clear on factual matters, which is very important because you got to get those right, um, I'll discuss the story, but not actually read it verbatim. Because I, I think you're, you start to cross the line that, hey, they're not your editor. The fact that Adam Schefter whimsically called uh, Alan Mr. Editor is a terrible look. But we have to be honest, this goes on. Jason, I watched something that was really fascinating about a month ago. It was on Showtime. It's a four-part series, one hour each, called Gossip, about the tabloid industry. And it really focused on Cindy Adams, legendary uh, gossip columnist for the New York Post. And she admitted if I like you, if you're one of my friends, you're one of my allies, I'm going to protect you. And she said that basically the way that whole industry works is if you have a story, then you get it, try to get it confirmed. That publicist may say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got a bigger story. Why don't you hold off on that one? I got something over here that you might like. And it's a trading of favors. 
Are we that naive to think that that doesn't go on in every form of journalism? I mean, we're not all Woodward and Bernstein here. Uh, We have to be honest about this. And once again, we're seeing more collateral damage from that investigation that had nothing to do with Adam Schefter or John Gruden, which I find interesting. But we have to be honest about this industry. Sources are important. And sometimes, unfortunately, you have to feed the beast or play the game. And so you think what Adam Schefter did was just and fair? No, I wouldn't have gone that far to give him the whole story and then say, hey, kind of edit this. I, I actually think it's fair game to say, look, this is what's coming out. We're not going to really change it, but I just want you to give you a warning that this may not be that positive or there are certain things you may not like. I don't want you to get completely blindsided because here's the reality. These are still human relationships you're dealing with. And Jason, you've had to walk into angry locker rooms or and deal with maniacs like Wayne Simmons who may not like what you write, but, but at the same time, part of the job is dealing with these people. And you still have interactions with them. And and overall, you want to be fair and accurate. That is very paramount to the job that we do as writers and journalists, okay? Where Adam, to me, just to hand over the whole story and just to tell a guy, hey, take a red pen and what you don't like, what you would add, that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey. I, I think that's where he starts to really cross the line, in my view. Yeah, and so I'm not going to take Adam at the words written in the email, I'm hoping that that was more joke than uh, offer. Uh, And, and, you know, again, I like and respect Adam Schefter, respect his work, definitely think he plays the game with uh, his sources and and probably does more for his sources than I do. I, I think that that, or I would be comfortable doing, uh, but but because again, I, I've <laughs> I, I've had some sources that I've lost real quick and in a, in a hurry when I'm like, no nah, man, uh, no look, we're friends, but I got a job to do. I, I, I'll give you one example: as Mike Davis was the head coach at Indiana University, and we were close, and you know I I felt like I told him up front exactly who I am. I'm a journalist first and foremost, and I like you and I want you to do well. I think it's important that you do well at Indiana University. Uh, But as things went on, Mike started acting irrationally, that the pressure of that job, replacing Bobby Knight, was just too much pressure for Mike. And he started acting out and he walked off the court or did something in a game against Kentucky and, and I wrote something critical saying like, man, this was inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. And he thought because we were friends, I would never criticize his behavior. And, and I was like, nah, man, uh, I'm a journalist. You did something inappropriate, still want to be friends with you. I've done inappropriate things. I don't want my friends to walk away from me because I've done inappropriate things. But I'm not going to be mad if they tell me, like, hey, man, you shouldn't have cracked that Jeremy Lin <laughs> joke over Twitter. Uh, you shouldn't have held that sign up in New England uh, about Drew Bledsoe or whatever. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with my friends being publicly critical of me when I've made a mistake. I can still be friends with them. Uh, so anyway, I, 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 Steve, I want you to stick with me, but I, I want to tell us 
because I want to get into Kyrie Irving and, and what's going on with him and how this debate is playing out in the media. But first, I want to tell our viewers about uh, our good friends over at Good Ranchers. Uh, for the best quality food, you need to see our friends over at Good Ranchers. You will not find a better choice of high-grade meat anywhere, and it's all sourced from farms right here in the heartland. That's right, all their food comes from farms in America. It's not shipped from China like their competitors, and it's 100% American grass-fed and grain-finished beef and chicken. Their cattlemen or ranchers classic bundles will provide everyone in your family a great meal that will have you wanting more and regretting you haven't come to them sooner. So stop waiting and go online right now to order you subscribe, you'll get $20 off and free express shipping. Get steakhouse quality for less than $5 per meal. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Let me tell you the other reason why. The food is tremendous. The meat is high quality. But dang it, you gotta support the sponsors who support this show, support me, and support this point of view. We gotta be good to the people who are good to us. No one's been better to me than Good Ranchers. I love their food, I love their uh, support of me and the things I stand for and the things we stand for on this show. If you wanna be a member of the Fearless Army, if you wanna be a good soldier in the Fearless Army, go to goodranchers.com fearless and order you some food. Order you some Good Ranchers meat that's how you support me and a point of view and a media that pushes back against the woke BS that's tearing down this country. That's all I got. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're gonna keep the conversation rolling with my Asian brother from another mother, uh, Steve Kim, who's out in Los Angeles. Steve, I know you've been following uh, the Kyrie Irving uh, situation. Last night, Kyrie went on Instagram Live and, and kind of defended his decision to remain unvaccinated at this point. Uh, let's hear from Kyrie himself, what it, some of what he said. It was about a 20 minute, I think, Instagram live chat that he hosted, but uh, I think we got about 90 seconds, two minutes of kind of give you a taste of what Kyrie was saying last night. You know, I'm just I'm just thinking for all those that are dealing with similar things that I'm dealing with. You know, you got to put your livelihood on the line in order for a mandate that you don't necessarily agree with all the way. Like nobody should be forced to do anything with their bodies. Nobody should be forced to do anything with their bodies. Like you only get one of these. If you choose to give a vaccine, I support you. If you choose to be unvaccinated, I support you. Do what's best for you. But that doesn't mean go around and start judging people for what they're doing with their lives. But to demonize one another and judge and continue to point the finger and be like, yo, you should do this. Like, think about what that puts a person, what type of position that puts the person in. You, you backing them up against the wall to you know, make a decision out of fear, out of having anxiety, or they just don't know. And the youth are always watching. You know, they're always watching us grown folk, you know, like they're always, always, always watching. And if we don't take a stand now, they're going to think it's cool to just be at odds with one another and beefing with one another over thoughts and who's doing what in comparison 
and all these other things and that. And yo, you're going to lose out on money and you're going to lose out on this. Like, so what? It's not about the money, baby. It's not always about the money. It's about choosing what's best for you. You think I really want to lose money? You think I really want to give up on my dream to go after a championship? You think I really just want to give up my job? Mm. No, I don't think he does. Uh, Steve, uh, I want to start here. I, this week, have compared Kyrie Irving to Muhammad Ali and his stance against the draft. Uh, I've received some backlash and criticism over social media for making that analogy. Uh, I don't care. I think Kyrie is standing up against a lot of pressure from the government, from his league, from his employers, from fans, from people in the media. This to me is the most courageous thing. And again, I know it's only lasted 24, 48 hours, but I, I guess that speaks to how little courage athletes show nowadays, but this is the most courageous thing I've seen an athlete do in quite some time. I watched the entire 20 minute Instagram live deal. I'm not sure if Kyrie is going to continue. I didn't hear a level of conviction that made me think this is gonna last very long. Uh, you know, maybe he misses a regular season game or two or three or I don't know, a month of the season. Maybe, he, maybe he's gonna use this the way uh, uh, load management uh, <laughs> that, that uh, Kawhi Leonard has been doing, and he'll start the season late, he'll get vaccinated late, and he will have made his point and garnered a lot of attention. I don't know. I still consider it courageous at this point. Uh, am, am I silly for in any way analogizing this to Ali? Yeah, it's interesting. The pushback that you got online, and I saw some of it, and people calling it a silly comparison, and I would say to those people it's no more silly than when many of you were comparing Colin Kaepernick to Muhammad Ali okay now <laughs> that's the truth but that's the other near no there in terms of Kyrie Irving I give him a lot of credit because he's coming off very calm and very rational I've described him as an oddball an outlier uh the Kanye West of the NBA but the way he's handling this I think is very rational um it's actually thought-provoking and I like the way he's going about it. But again, will he actually make the sacrifice? Keep this in mind. Muhammad Ali lost three years of his physical prime um, in a sport where it's very brutal, very physical. As of yet, Kyrie Irving hasn't really missed much. Will he even stand down a month or two? But I'm going to go back to this, Jason. Last year, the mantra from certain media members, the same ones jumping on Kyrie now, was more than an athlete. Okay, but to millions of us who watch Kyrie for the games that he plays and he gets paid for, that's what he is. He's an athlete. But they also said, they're not there for your entertainment. Actually, if you're an athlete at a pro level, you kind of are. But why isn't Kyrie given that same treatment based on a stance that he wants to make? When did that veneer get wiped off the plate? In my view, I think it's really interesting because every time I put up a pro Kyrie Irving tweet, invariably I get a response, well, I had to take three shots to keep my job. And I'll just calmly respond, um, that's your choice, which I respect. And he's making his choice, which I respect. And I want to make this clear with Kyrie. I'm not going to be a hypocrite about this. If he decides to get the jab in 15 minutes, it's not going to change my opinion. 
It really isn't. Because once again, it is his body, his choice, his job, his profession. And I do understand the pressures that he's under. But one thing that's being lost is that there is strength in numbers. I think this is a very, very uphill climb because it's almost like Don Quixote going up against an army of windmills. Look, this past weekend, thankfully, um, I was booked on a Spirit Airlines flight. You never thought anyone would say that, right? Thankfully, I was booked on Spirit Airlines, but it was good <laughs> because if I was booked on Southwest, I might still be stranded in Nashville at that airport. And because the pilots as a group said, I, 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 no, 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 no. They didn't have one pilot just say we're calling out sick. They had a multitude of them. And I don't see a lot of support from his NBA brethren at this moment. So that's what kind of worries me about the long-term holding of the line from Kyrie. You know what I like about your, your point is the whole more than an athlete deal. And this is LeBron James's mantra. And we haven't heard, even if Le- LeBron's got the vaccine or, or whatever, or has gotten some sort of pass or some kind of a proof that he got the vaccine. I don't know how all these athletes are doing it because it's hard for me to believe that all of them are taking the vaccine, but, but whatever. They could still voice their opinion that, hey, I like what Kyrie's doing. There's a lot of people being forced into this that don't want to be forced into this. And I'm talking people that aren't making the kind of money, don't have the kind of financial security that we have, are, are being forced out of jobs. And, and then they could lend some vocal support while having taken the shot and the vaccine and stated their positions or whatever. But I, it, it's mind boggling to me or it's disappo- or I, I would say it's disappointing, but it's not surprising that when there's some real risk, when you actually disobeying the establishment like Kyrie is, All these guys lose their tongue. No different than when Daryl Morey disobeyed the Chinese establishment and Nike and the NBA and and gave voice to and support for the people in Hong Kong. Everybody lost their tongue. No one wanted to put on a T-shirt. No one wanted to do anything to disrupt the apple cart and the money. These and this is what I've always said. These guys pretend like. LeBron, Kaepernick, that they're making these great sacrifices and they're risking everything by putting on an I can't breathe t-shirt and taking a knee during the national anthem. They're not risking anything. None of them lost a dime, including Kaepernick. There were jobs available for Kaepernick in the NFL if he had been willing to settle on a reasonable price, but he listened to all the idiots that demanded that he take a job that paid him an exorbitant amount of money or or paid him like he was a starter when he wasn't. He ran himself out of the league. This guy, Kyrie Irving, is actually being blackballed for standing on what he believes. I think there's a lot of support out there for him from the average working person. I think all these millionaire athletes are all cowards. I think the millionaire broadcasters are, for the most part, cowards. And we're going to get to that. I'm going to show. Let, let's play the tape of. And was this this morning? Yeah, I think it was this morning uh, on ESPN. I want to get your thoughts on this. Jay Williams and Stephen A. Smith and Molly Quarum talking about uh, Kyrie Irving. 
Now you're telling me that because situations or circumstances have changed about what originally took place to where we are now, that you believe Kyrie Irving should say, you know what, just because I'm unclear about a decision I have to make about what's inserted into my body, when I should be granted time to make that decision, that screw that, I need to be on the court because I'm going to let my teammates down? I'm That's what you're trying to tell me, Stephen A.? No, so yes. You're trying to tell me this is about basketball? Yeah. No, this no, is no, about no, winning saying, a championship? No, no, no. no not no, about no. making well, a, the right decision for well, myself well, right, and my the, family? The, the, the right decision? How much time do you And I know what my need? right decision is for me and my family, Stephen A. All right, you know, okay. I know what, and I, I would talk to Kyrie about how I felt I'm about trying, how I'm, I came I'm, to a you conclusion asking on questions that decision for my family. Which one's it going to be? You asking questions and then answering me. you going to ask me a question but you ain't going to let me answer? I'm trying to answer you. Go ahead. Okay, Yes! Yes! That meant yes! Because listen, if 6.2 billion people have taken it, okay? I'm sorry, has the vaccine killed somebody that I didn't? I mean, has that been the reason people died? Well, if we go down that road, there's, we go down that road, I mean, Moderna's in South and Sweden and different things. All right, all right, let's be careful. Let's keep, let's not get into the medical science, guys. You see, you see what happened. Once the conversation got real, uh, uh, guys, hey, hey, guys, uh, uh, let's be careful. Uh, 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 commercial, commercial break. Okay, Jay, That's Molly Karam's job. And again, so hold on, I just want to be, I, I want to make this point, Steve, before we get going. This is why there's an attractive woman on every show. Because her job is to have that earpiece in, and when the bosses uh, say, hey, hey, guys, cut it out. Tell them to cut it out. Molly Quarum or Sam Ponder or whoever they got sitting there, there, they're low, on the little puppet string. Hey, guys, guys, cut it out. Oh, that's getting too real up in here. Let's go to commercial. Let's go to commercial. Look at my breast. I look great, don't I, guys? Don't look. Look at TNA. I'm here. I don't know a damn thing about the NBA, but <laughs> look at my legs. Y'all can hate me if you want, but that's not Cassidy Hubbard talking. That's a supermodel that's there to chant and scream whatever the producers in her ear tell her. And they told her, stop it before one of these Negroes says something that pisses off one of our sponsors or goes against what we want done. And that, that's the job, they're overseers. Big, attractive overseers that are there to make sure that the Negroes don't say anything that's not on script. Get us to commercial break, Molly. Overseers. And again, I know y'all don't like it, but it's just factual. They do it on all of these shows. Couldn't, all of them. And this is why I'm hated, because I'm just stick to the truth. And I'm not against female sports broadcasters. But it's not a coincidence that they all tend to look the same. And on a scale of one to 10, you can't get the big, big jobs unless you're over a nine and a half. You can't have any real journalistic chops. You can't have, again, Kari Champion, great little tennis player. Talked on it, but you know, didn't know a damn thing about sports. It's great that Sam Ponder's husband played quarterback in the NFL, but she never took a snap. So anyway, I don't know if you can.
be more fearless than I just was there, but uh, have at it, Steve. <laughs> yeah, a couple things. I will be checking Jalen Rose's Twitter feed in several hours to see if he wants to go on site with you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, God. I mean, geez. Now, you, Jalen's been dealing with my smoke since he was 19 years old. He, <laughs> he knows I can care less, but go ahead. Now, as it relates to Jason Williams, I just want to 80 slow clap. But I want to get to Stephen A. Shook. Yes, Stephen A. <laughs> Shook. Because that's exactly S-H-O-O-K. what he was. S-H-O-O-K. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He got backed up. And Jason Williams, in my view, did not read the script. He did not. He called an audible. He went uh, in his own version. That was Omaha, Omaha, and, and he just he just <laughs> said, I, "We're not going with the play being called in here." And and here's the issue that I have with uh, Stephen A. Shook. When, when you start saying, well, "Who's been killed by this?" Blah blah blah. Okay, first of all, you don't want to go down that road. But there's a young man. His last name is Goodwin with the Atlanta Hawks. He's not playing this year. He took the vaccine. He got blood clots. If you want to have an honest discussion about this. Both sides, bring him up. Why not interview him and say, what was your experience? How do you feel? Do you feel as though this has negatively impacted the rest of your career? What are the long-term effects? You know, my personal opinion is one day I might get the vaccine, just like you. I'm not anti-vax, but I am pro-information. And I think the lingering issue in my mind, along with Kyrie Irving and maybe Jason Williams, is that these companies who are making this vaccine are not actually held accountable. The only immunity in this whole thing is people like Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson from any any type of legal ramifications if there's any adverse reactions. That concerns me. Am I are people like Kyrie Irving, myself, or you, Jason Williams, are we not allowed to have that concern? That that's what I would ask everyone like Stephen A. Smith. And it's funny about Stephen A. Smith. In his own way, he basically said, shut up and dribble. But after you jab, of course. Uh, I like the nickname Stephen A. Shook, but I would go with Stephen A. Shuck, as <laughs> in jive. Stephen A. Shuck <laughs> and Jive. And that, I think, is more appropriate. And, and, and I want to be careful because I know pe- there's a lot of people whose entire point of view and mindset is controlled by dollar signs. And oh, Stephen A. Smith, he makes $12 million a year. And surely Jason is jealous of that, and that's why he would say these things. And Jason would say all the same things as Stephen A. Smith if he was making $12 million a year. And it's just not true. You, you have to put yourself in position to get the $12 million a year contract. And I've never been willing to do the things necessary to put myself in that position. And the position you have to put yourself in is that I'm willing to say whatever you tell me I have to say. No one who's ever met me, who's ever dealt with me, thinks that I'm willing to be told what to say. I'm just not. And so when the mandate comes down, and there's not just a vaccine vaccine mandate, there's a mandate that you must go on TV, basically, at Stephen A's dollar amount, and you must promote 
the vaccine. Because Jay Williams, they're probably paying him a million bucks to talk NBA, whatever. So he gets a little more wiggle room and freedom because his voice doesn't carry as much weight. He's not the star of some show. He's a contributor on the show. And so, yeah, Jay Williams, you can come on here and be our anti-vaccine person so that that voice is represented. But in order, Jay Williams knows and everybody knows, in order to get the money, the kind of money Stephen A gets, you have to get on board with whatever the agenda is. And so if the agenda, one day, they may tell Stephen A. Smith, hey man, uh, we found, we discovered an email talking about someone's lips and you gotta come on here and cry on air. Stephen A. Smith will do that. He'll cry on air and if they, they one day, they may put him in the same position Dave Chappelle was in. Say, hey Steve, we got this segment where you're in a dress and Molly's in uh, pants and we want you to, he might do that. Because that's what comes along with those types of positions and I'm not saying it to, to denigrate Stephen A. Smith. I'm trying to explain to you all what you're actually seeing on TV. And it, it's, it's controlled opposition, controlled propaganda. Stephen A. is supposed to play the role of he's the outspoken, anti-establishment, fearless guy on ESPN. But he's not outspoken, he's not fearless, he's harmless. And that's how you get that job, by being harmless. I could rattle off other harmless people in the media, his former partner that works at the other network, they're harmless. They're never gonna say anything real. They're never gonna really challenge the authority. They're gonna say what they're supposed to say, and then they may uh, have some controversy. Oh, I hate the Cowboys. Oh, I love the Cowboys. Oh, I hate, uh, I don't like LeBron James. Oh, I love LeBron James. All that's harmless. But when the conversation gets real and we sitting here looking at a man like Kyrie Irving, that like any natural born American should have the right to control what actually goes in his body. And he stands on that and stands on let hey, I'm going to be a voice for working class people who are being forced out of their jobs. And so I'm gonna take a moment. And again, it, don't, it may, Kyrie in the next 24 hours may take the jab, I don't know. I'm gonna give him credit for taking a small amount of time to represent people who don't want to take the jab, that are being forced to take the jab, being forced off their jobs, it's real. And you have all these multimillionaire influencers that live in their little bubble world and say, ESPN had me take the jab and I make $12 million. And so everybody should take the jab. It's, it, it I, I, I give Kyrie nothing but respect even if it ends today, tonight, this weekend, whatever, somebody prominent needed to be a voice and raise up and make the media deal with these issues in a more fair way. It, 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 without Kyrie, Jay Williams would never have an opportunity to defend Kyrie and perhaps make some arguments that people that don't wanna take the jab would like made in a media space. 
I, I nothing but respect for Kyrie. Uh, Steve, I'll bring you back. Go ahead. Well, one last thing about Jay Williams for the, anyone that wants to question his credentials. Well, he's an athlete. I still remember him having one of the quickest first steps ever at Duke. Back when I still cared about college basketball, I remember how good he was leading the Blue Devils, I believe, to the 2001 national title. He was the number one pick overall, and if it wasn't for him trying to go evil Knievel, he would have had a really long career. So I'll make this argument. Every time a guy like me makes a criticism of an athlete or someone disagrees, they always say, well, you're not an athlete, you never played the game, and they discredit anything you have to say, which is fine. I deal with it. It doesn't really bother me. Okay, what about Jay Williams? Jay Williams was an incredible college player. He was a winner. He was a leader. He would have been really, really good if not for a truncated, tragic ending. How do you discredit him? Because he has the mindset and the viewpoint of an athlete. They make their money with their bodies. They're highly disciplined. And in theory, they care about what goes inside their system. So I think it's actually refreshing that a guy, any guy at any level, especially at that network, says, you know what? I can see Kyrie Irving's point of view. And I, I find that to be something that should be lauded uh, for Jay Williams. Steve, I'm going to let you go because I got more I want to say, but I don't want to make you sit through it. Uh, I'm going to get to Shamika here in a second. Great job as always. Uh, but I'm not done yet with this, with this topic. I'm, I'll, let me take a couple more minutes here to uh, finish my point. <clears throat> All these athletes and other broadcasters, uh, that they all wanted this conversation that has been going on in the sports world for the past five years or so. That everybody wanted sports to be more than sports and have a conversation broader than sports. And, and so this Kaepernick really brought this home starting in 2016 and uh, Jamel Hill and everybody jumped on board and all the wokes, you know, great, be more than an athlete. And, and it gives us as sports journalists a license to talk about all these broader issues. And, and, you know, we can't wait to be courageous. And so what's actually happening is they're being exposed as cowards and frauds because none of them are man, woman enough, courageous enough, grounded enough to actually have honest conversations about any of this. They all go on TV and lie. They all go on TV and stick to the narrative. And I'm trying to tie all the, the Katie Couric conversation to Kyrie Irving, because it's all connects to Colin Kaepernick. And it all, this, dishonest conversation and cowardly conversation that the media has been leading. And, and, and it's great that tomorrow we're scheduled to have Kwame Brown come on because, you know, he called it the go along to get along game. And, I'm, and, and people got all upset with me or, or were baffled by, man, why are you in such support of Kwame Brown? And I kept trying to say, like, he's opening up a conversation for the rest of us. He's not doing it in a way that I would do it. It's a bit too profane. Uh, it's a bit too aggressive for me. But I appreciated it because it was courageous 
and it opened the door for a level of authenticity that I don't see any of these other cowards walking through. They're all taking a check and they're all checking their Twitter feeds and social media apps and crowdsourcing their opinions and wonder and making sure they stay between the big tech white lines and the Nike white lines and whatever the NBA wants to do and whatever the administration, the government wants us to do. They're all just, is my opinion safe? And it doesn't matter how loud they deliver it because, you know, Stephen A. put on a show, uh, you know, Yes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Kyrie Irving should do X, Y, and Z. And it's all loud, it's all bluster, and he's, he's so fearless. But when you actually examine what they're saying, they're scared to death. Scared to death. They don't want to say anything that's not pre-approved, that doesn't go along with the overall corporate media Nike approved, China approved narrative. They're selling out for money and for buttered biscuits from Nike, the NBA, overlords at ESPN and Disney. These guys will sit up and a lot of these athletes, they got daughters, they got kids, will never say a word about these trans athletes these biological boys and men coming over to play and compete against girls and women won't open their mouth because they're afraid of the alphabet mafia. They're cowards. They're not real men. That's why what I was talking about yesterday about Kyrie Irving, Dave Chappelle, Kwame Brown, trying to spark, provoke, inspire men to stand up and be men. You can put your big old beard on or you can uh, go on TV and talk tough. You can, oh, uh, Randy Moss, he's a tough guy. I'm gonna beat up a 54-year-old fat man. I'm a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I'm gonna threaten on sight. I'm gonna beat up a 54-year-old fat man. Hats off, Randy, tough guy. Oh, oh, oh my God. You know what I'm gonna do, Randy, if you do beat me up? I'm gonna have a white man write an email to another white man saying, saying Jason Whitlock has man boobs. And you'll go on TV and cry about it like a punk. All right. We're gonna to go to Shamika here in a second. Uh, go to youtube.com, Jason Whitlock. Hit that like, subscribe button. Support our sponsors, built.com, built bars, good ranchers. If you want this, because I'm not backing down, but we need to support our sponsors. All right, Shamika, Smoke Show. Next. Uh, I would say 
Shamika may bring out a fire extinguisher and cool things off here, but that has not been uh, her tendency. So <laughs> uh, I'm trying to calm down from my conversation uh, with Steve Kim. And so I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start there, Shamika. Uh, before I, we transition to Meek Mill, but uh, you have any thoughts on Kyrie Irving and, and my little rant here at the end or just the way the media is reacting to Kyrie Irving? Anything you want to add? Well, I enjoyed the rant. I just want to say that I'm not the one that's going to try and calm you down or calm men down if they're going at it. I'm going to get over into a corner, sit there, and may the best man win. I'm going to watch. So um, I enjoyed the rant, and I understand your stance. And when it comes to Kyrie Irving, I can say as a parent, I appreciate what he's doing. As a parent, I think you should be very mindful of what you're doing to your body. When you have children that you could leave behind. And some people would say, well, what about COVID? Listen, if you have a 99% chance to survive or if you're healthy, you're in good shape, why would you? It's like chopping off my arm. If my arm is working fine, why would I chop off my arm to get a bionic arm that may, you know, punch me every time that it feels like it? I'm, he's If he's fine and this is the risk that he wants to take, I think that he should be allowed to do that. And he's not just making that decision for himself. He has a child to think about. And that's the way that I have been. I'm not saying that I would never get it. But right now, I think there's too much out here that says that it may not be, you know, um, uh, it, it may be harmful. So I, I, I would I didn't just jump at the chance to get it. I have three daughters that I want to make sure that I'm making a very wise decision for because I don't want to get something experimental and then I'm having, you know, blood clots or I have a stroke or a heart attack or, you know, my kidneys start to fail. These are things that I have seen from from medical professionals what this vaccine could cause. We don't know right now, it's too new. And so I applaud Kyrie for being a, a man first and then a parent who's, who's trying to make the best decision for himself and his family. Yeah, I, I just respect the fact that, again, we, we love when uh, Colin Kaepernick would take a knee and people would complain, well, at least he's starting a conversation. And, and so, I want to say this exact same thing about Kyrie Irving. At least he's promoting a conversation about the vaccine. And we need, and, and because there's been very little conversation about it. There's been a lot of preaching and a lot mm -hmm. of people saying, you got to do X, Y, and Z, but there's been no vigorous debate. There's been no uh, educational uh, debate and both sides haven't been represented and Kyrie's creating room for for that I wish other athletes had the same courage and and but 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 they we're living in a time of, of just weak men and weak things and and that leads great segue into I, I do do yeah we got the video of a man reacting to seeing uh, Meek Mill's album cover on the side of a bus in Phil in Philadelphia. Let's take a look at this. What the f is this? What the f is this? What is this? This is on the side of a bus. This is on the side of a bus rolling through your street, rolling on the side of your street. Is this what you want, black women? Is this what you want, black women? Is this what you want? Look at this bull. Look at this on the side of a. 
a bus. Is this what you want, black women? Is this what you want? Is this how you want to be respected? Is this how you want to be respected in life? This is how you want to look? This is how you want to be portrayed? Stand up to this bull****. I'm from Philly. I actually should support Meek Mill. This is disgusting Look at this lady. Look at this. This is on the side of a bus where little girls can pull up and see this That's her pussy. Let's not mistake him what this pink dot is. This is disgusting. This is satanic bullshit. I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of... Look at this that you're getting on. This is for everyone to see. Little girls are seeing this crap. Crap. This is disgusting. This is disgusting. I'm so sick of them just rubbing Satanism right in your face. Oh, Shakespeare, it's for art? This is art? Is this art? Black and white checkerboard, what is that? It's a Masonic flooring. Duh. Look at this garbage. Money, 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 money. Garbage, garbage. Wake up. Wake up, it's all related. The vaccine, this crap. It's all related. They're all the same spider controlling you. Stop complying. Mm. Outstanding. Uh, I wish it had been a black man. <laughs> I'll say that, but I don't care who it is. Uh, someone needs to call it out. I, I, I can't, I, I just can't believe this is where we've landed as a culture and society that uh, that's appropriate. But I, let, let's, let's hear a female thought on this and then I got some follow-up questions. Well, I was tagged in this video uh, and someone said, I expect Shamika to say something about it. But my initial reaction when he says, black women, is this how you want to be represented? My initial reaction is yes, depending on which black woman you ask, because for the last few years, that's all we've promoted is sex. You know, when it comes to music, you have uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion promoting their wet ass you had Nicki Minaj talking about her thick vagina. You have the city girls talking about my uh, English, Spanish, and French. And in my opinion, that's part of the problem. Your pussy is too loud. Your pussy's talking too much. It's speaking louder than your intellect. So, you know, and I haven't seen women stand up to that. So if if we're going to to be angry at this, which, you know, I understand what the man is saying and I agree, young kids are looking at this and I do think women have to start speaking out. But when they want to come at Meek Mills and say that Meek Mill is, you know, coming against black women, I always toss the, the ball back to black women. Hey, look, if, if this is not how you want to be represented, then you first have to carry yourself differently. You got to come against Cardi B. I saw women outside the White House dancing to WAP. So you you weren't upset about that. Women applauded Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's uh, Grammy performance. I think it was the Grammys. They applauded that and felt like that was women empowerment. You know, you have Maxine Waters who sat with Megan Thee Stallion and said that she was proud uh, of the song. She thought the song was, you know, w women empowerment and she saw men talking about this for years, but now women get to say what they feel and think this is an 80 something year 
old woman who should, you can understand how it got to this point, but that doesn't mean you have to promote it and, and big up it and act like that's okay. So I think first of all, and when he says somebody has to take a stand, it's going to have to be black women first. If you got an issue with it, stop doing it. Stop promoting it and stop applauding it. All right. So Shamika and, and respect and appreciate your point of view, but let's deal with the obvious pushback you're going to get when we put this video out. People are going to, to say, well, hold on. Your, your book is Naked Truth or Naked Girls, and you're on the cover of your book, Naked. Uh, is there any hypocrisy here from you? Yes, because I'm a hypocrite. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I, I do think that there is a difference, right? So pornography, the definition of it is explicit material with whose primary purpose is to cause sexual desires. That was never the primary purpose of my book. Uh, Naked Girls was birthed out of me wanting women to be open, honest, and emotionally exposed so that we could help each other through life's experiences. And me posing naked on the book, I never thought, oh, let me use sex to uh, create sexual desires or to sell the book. I thought, let me show people that what's in this book, I am bearing my soul and I am what you see on the cover is, is representative of what's in the book. My message does not promote promiscuity. My naked, my message does not promote living any kind of way. And I do, you know, I'm smart. I realize that there are people that will buy the book just because I'm naked on the cover, but then they're in for a surprise. You know, you'll get what a message that's in there. And, and it's not about being naked uh, physically. So I do think that you can have your body as art, but I was very intentional that I didn't show nipples. I was very intentional that there was no crack showing, you know, because I wanted it to be classy and I wanted it to be something that my children, as I said, I have three daughters, it was something that they could be proud of and not be embarrassed if they're free and say, hey, I saw the cover of your mother's book. So I was very intentional about that. And my message, I hope, is one that will actually help people. I, I don't look at it and see sex when I see that. I see a 40-year-old woman who has, you know, three children who's had a lot of life experiences and it's still standing. So for me, I never was trying to push sex, even though it's called keep it naked. Naked was birthed out of being emotionally exposed. And I just wanted to show just as you see me on this, the cover, that's what's on the inside of this book. I'm bearing my soul. A lot of people give advice, but they never tell you what they've been through as to why they think the way that you do. And in my book, I, that's what I do. And so Meek Mill may hear that explanation and say, well, my, my album, Expensive Pain, it's, it's a naked truth. And I'm trying to be in your face about how transparent I am about who I am. What, what would you say to that? 
I think he could have done it, but done it more classy. You know, he has women bent over and he's they're showing their vagina. And and my book, most people see it by choice. It's not riding through the city for little girls to look at. And so again, my book came out five years ago. Five years ago, I think it was my my youngest daughter was 11. So I did it in a way where I could feel proud that she saw that and she wouldn't think you know, something sexual or think that's something she's supposed to do and just give herself to any man. My children were actually proud of the cover and that's something that I was mindful of. And I think if that's what Meek Mills was trying to do, which he's not, he is trying to, you know, promote sexual desires because that's what his music talks about. But if that was something that he was trying to do, I think there's a way he could have used body as art, but he didn't choose that. He went the pornographic way, in my opinion. And I think that's a difference by definition alone. All right. So we'll transition to the antithesis of the cover of your book. Uh, did you see Lizzo's Cardi B uh, birthday party outfit? She wore her birthday suit basically to Cardi B's birthday party a see-through outfit and the media's product. She stole the show and this is great. And and I, I, I just think it's the promotion of death. We're trying to normalize being overweight. As an overweight person, I think it's wrong to be trying to normalize this and portray it as healthy. And, and, and you know, if you have a good mental self-image, if you're uh, overweight and blubbery, you need to show it to everybody. I. I th- I'm like the, the the white dude outside the bus there. This is satanic. It's the promotion of gluttony and death. You know, I, I could say that, you know, maybe she saw it as art, you know, perhaps a mural. Uh, but yes, I saw it and my eyes are still burning from looking at it. And I do think that we have started to lie and promote something as a healthy lifestyle that is not healthy. Nowhere in my 46 years did anyone ever tell me being overweight was okay or that it was acceptable or that it was healthy. So I do think we've started to lie to people and promote foolishness as a healthy lifestyle. And when it comes again to women in hip hop, I think women have changed. Listen, talking about sex in music for for women, it's not different. But how we talk about it has changed. You know, we had Betty Wright years ago who said, tonight is the night that you make me your woman. You said you'll be gentle with me and I, I hope you will. Now we have Megan Thee Stallion saying, I'm a suck it, look in your eye, and then the next day I might leave you on red. So it has changed totally. We went from a woman saying, I'm nervous and I'm trembling, to a woman talking about she's a savage. She ain't even going to call you back the next day about sex. Women want you to know they're going to sit on it, split on it, spit on it, and then suck it all back up. So we have changed the, the, the way the conversation goes about sex 
and women. And side note, men, if a woman presents herself as a savage, that is code for I need therapy. So we we changed. I don't think we, you know, women have been comfortable talking about it, but the way we approach sex and, and our bodies has totally changed. And what we're seeing now in hip hop and with these women just wanting to be on constant display has has changed and the message has changed. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, and now speaking of women who sing, <laughs> let's hear some tomorrow because we're out of here on that note, Shamika. Thank you. Great job. Uh, awesome show today. Another good show. Kwame Brown tomorrow. Tomorrow right now. Freedom. We all want it. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in line like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want.